American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. New week of the call up here, and we are talking about the storylines for all of the American League teams as we head into camp. Of course, this would be the prospect storyline, so we're finding the angle here. Things to look out for, things that we are specifically keyed in on in the prospect world that could have implications, you know, in the early part of the season. Just things we want to monitor. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. We did something similar last year. It's a lot of fun. I, I think it's a great primer. For fans and whether you're a uh, fantasy baseball person, whether you're a card collector, whether you just want to know what's going on in the league, I think it's a great primer for the prospect and roster implications and storylines. And probably there'll be a few names that we'll bring up and you'll be like, oh, wow, I forgot about that guy. That's why it's fun to do this. We'll do a National League episode as well. But today we're talking about the 15 American League teams and the prospect relevant storylines within each of those teams. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. And I was talking to one of our guys at Just Baseball, Clay Snowden, who does great stuff in regards to the Reds, the Tigers. He did the A's for a little bit, Um, but he just kind of bounces around. And he was talking to me about the top 10 position players in the National League Central. And he was like, what do you got going today? It's like, well, Arm and I are doing things to watch in each camp for the young guys. And his immediate reaction was, ooh, I like that. It's one of those things where we get the juices flowing. Baseball is back. We get to watch Dodgers, Padres on Thursday, and then another handful of games on Friday. I think everybody wants something to monitor Mm -hmm. each camp that you tune into on MLB TV, because this is your first opportunity to really latch on to MLB TV. I've got my things that I'm going to be keyed in on spring training. Just like watching for the sake of baseball is fine, fine. but I kind of like watching spring training with a purpose. I a hundred percent agree. Like I look, I don't, it's always nice to watch some of the best players in the game play the game, but I'd rather do that. Watch them do that when it matters. That season's long enough. We got 162 ball games. I I can watch Isak Paredes swing it during the regular season. And then that's fine by me. Um, And even when it's some of the best guys, like I saw Justin Verlander throw in the spring training. It's always cool to see Justin Verlander throw, but like, Whether he gives up eight runs or he strikes out 10, nothing changes. He doesn't care. He's going to leave in the fifth inning anyways. Like it's all going according to the plan that's scripted out. And we don't want to take anything major. You know, you don't want to change your total assessment of a player or anything like that in spring training. But 
there's roles to be won. There's, uh, you know, I, I would say status to gain, you know, especially that's why we do non-roster invitees, right? That's why teams do that. You, you're having an opportunity, even if you don't have a chance to make the team out of camp, to make an impression and expedite your process to the big league level as well. Those are all things to monitor. So there are three concrete examples over the last two spring trainings that I have that I bring to the, the front of the table each time. Last year, Anthony Volpe won the shortstop yep. job for the New York Yankees in mm-hmm. spring training. Jordan Walker proved that he was an adequate enough corner outfielder to break camp with the St. Louis Cardinals and hit the crap and the, out of the ball <laughs> and hit the crap out of the ball. And the biggest one for me was 2022 spring training. Julio Rodriguez proved that he could play center field. Scott service said, Hey, you look really comfortable in the center. You're going to the big leagues opening day. Rest is history. J rod is a top 10 player in baseball. Yep, like yep. these are the type of things that we can talk about with the top prospects it's also kind of nice to ID the five guys that there is pressure on in the spring because there's no pressure on the overwhelming majority of guys that are there. There are guys trying to make the roster. Those are the ones that I want to watch. A hundred percent. And we might as well just jump right into it and talk about those guys. You want to start with the American League East? Let's do the American League East. I've got them sorted alphabetically by division, which is very exciting. Um, so I'll kind of tee you up for your takeaway and then I'll follow with mine each go around. Uh, The Baltimore Orioles are entering with a lot of surefire things, but a really young roster. And it feels like there might be some guys that are pinched out. What are you looking for? I think the obvious one, though, the the low hanging fruit here is can Jackson Holiday actually make this team? Um, And and I know that that's like, again, it is the low hanging fruit. I have a a second storyline as well that I'll, I'll mention after, you know, you and I go back and forth on this primary thing. Look, I think Holiday is in a similar situation in a different way to what we saw with Volpe, where if Holiday goes crazy in spring training, it's going to be really hard optically to to not have him in the opening day lineup because of the fact that they just pushed the chips forward on Corbin Burns because they're clearly trying to win now. I mean, even with the news of Kyle Bradish being hurt and potentially missing, you know, significant amount of time, you know, they're canvassing the trade market again. There's been reported talks about, you know, Lizardo and, and other arms. And it's like, if you're in win now mode, which they clearly are, you're going to do everything possible to put the best team forward. And if Holiday is proving that he is a better offensive option than, Somebody else that we'd have to figure out whose spot he would presumably take. Uh, it'd yeah. be prior reps coming away from from Westberg and you know some of the other guys that might be on the bench. But you know you're not bringing Jackson Holiday up to play two three times a week. He's got to play every day, so he's got to go nuts. And that's what I'm monitoring here. I personally think it makes more sense to start him in AAA. But I also said the same thing with Jordan Walker, and then he did what he did. They did end up sending him back to AAA. But the point being, he he earned an opportunity to to you know start the season with them. I think that's got to be the biggest storyline: is can Jackson Holiday force their hand? And I think that's really the best phrasing of it. It's it's force their hand because I think if he just plays yeah. all right, it makes sense to just send him to Norfolk. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, that that was clearly the low hanging fruit, and I'm I'm totally here to ID that and single that out. There were a couple other things that I took a gander at, and I'll call it an honorable mention, but with Bradish hurt and with means delayed, I'm thinking that I'm going to be very locked into Chase McDermott and Cade Povich. Yeah. Because like, hey, why would you run out Cole Irvin if Chase is legit better in spring training? But my big thing is the outfield pinch. Heston Kerstad or Colton Kowser isn't making the roster. They're both like big league ready. There's nothing to prove in Norfolk. So one of them is going to be unfairly optioned again. Yep. And I just, I don't know which one it's going to be. I'd assume if I were a betting man and I could bet on that, 
I would probably say Kowser ends up being in Norfolk to open the year. I think Kerstad has enough malleability. Kerstad should play first and O'Hearn should, you know, be a bench bat. Like it's just one of those things where I think there's a little bit more versatility with Kerstad versus Kowser, his values in center. Guess what? You got a good one in Mullins. Yeah. And, and maybe you make a bench spot open by removing Sam Hilliard. I mean, you have Jorge Mateo and I know they don't play the same positions, but they do overlap a little bit. You don't need Mateo and Hilliard on the same, on the same bench. Like have a little bit more of a higher upside guy there. I'm with you though. I think that's another storyline there is, uh, you know, how do they handle that, that busyness of, of the outfield slash first base situation. And I think it's one, again, a forcing of the hand, you know, if Kerstad looks really, really good um, and, and you, you realize, Hey, we, O'Hearn, we know what we're getting for better and for worse. Kerstad, yeah. we we have a little bit more upside. It, he could end up forcing their hand as well. And and it could end up making them a little bit more willing to kick the tires on a Mountcastle trade, especially as they're maybe looking for, for some pitching. So there's a lot of moving parts here. And I think a lot of the young guys can either instill a little bit more confidence with the Orioles to push the chips forward or have them kind of say, hey, you know, let's let's kind of remain patient here and see how things shake out a couple months into the season. I'm also once again asking Mike Elias to trade Kyle Stowers for pitching depth. There's no world where Kyle Stowers is a part of their future. But, dude, he's way too good for AAA. He's he a big be, He might be pinched out of reps in AAA with how loaded the AAA it's roster insane, is. It's insane, man. Like, move awesome. Kyle Stowers for the love of God. I know he's best friends with Adley and Gunner and Kowser and all them, but, like, you got to move him for the sake of his career. I think they're hoping he rebuilds some some stock um, in AAA just being, by being healthy and mashing. And then I'd imagine they, they they have to move him at some point. And then, again, I think O'Hearn ends up being that that odd man out as well. The, the last name that I'm interested to watch, not all the, no other team's really going to have this many names. Right. Um, obviously, the best farm system in baseball. You mentioned McDermott. That's a, that's a big, big name to watch because if he's – if the command is even marginally better, because we saw it start to improve in AAA and, and throwing more strikes there, if he's around the zone even more so in spring training, that guy could take a rotation spot. He absolutely could, or it could be in some swingman type of role. Another name is Seth Johnson. Look, I, I just want to see how he looks health wise. Um, Through throwing again at the end of last year, looks pretty good. Uh, can can he be a guy that ends up? I, I don't know if he makes. He I don't think he makes the team, but with what he could do, how he could show in spring training, maybe that makes him one of the first names up. If a, you know, Tyler Wells ends up struggling a little bit or someone else goes down or Cole Irvin is not an option or McDermott's not throwing strikes. Like, I think that's another name that could be a contributor for them this year. Yeah. We might've started with the longest one here, but yeah. let's jump to the Boston Red Sox. This is one of the quicker ones for me. Yeah. Will your Abreu has the chance to win an everyday role. Will your mm-hmm. Abreu is my guy to watch. And I I'm very curious what it looks like. I'll be watching Rafaela too, but it seems like the infield is is set with Casas, with Grissom, with Story, and with Devers. It's really the outfield. Is Sedan going to win the job? Is it Jaron Duran's job if he's healthy? So that that's obviously my my focus, but in a little bit of like, uh, like extrapolating a little bit further. If Rafaela wins the job, he's playing center, and, and that's what they said, right? Yeah. And that makes sense. Why would you have Rafaela doing anything other than playing center? It's a misuse of. Of, of his value. But if he ends up making the team and playing center, now Duran and Willier Abreu are almost like the Spider-Man meme to, to a degree, right? Like yes. they do a lot of this similar things. Duran, a better athlete, but Abreu, he was still steal some bags, plays a good corner. And, more pop. and, and, yeah. and you know, I, they both can swing it and, and tap into a good amount of pop. And yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities there. So 
what do you do then? Because I think Duran was great at points last year, but so was Willier Abreu. So if Rafaela makes the team, now it becomes a, instead of a Duran versus, uh, you know, instead of a Duran versus Rafaela competition, now it slides over and it's Duran versus Abreu. So yeah. Duran almost has like a backup plan. Like he has to outplay one of those two guys. But that yeah. side of it's fascinating to me too, because if Rafaela makes the club, now you have a really interesting, you know, battle of of two left-handed bats here. And I think they do potentially need another right-handed bat in the fold. So though that's what I'm kind of watching more, more specifically. And then a, a kind of passive, not that important thing is, you know, Brian Mata, just what does he look mm-hmm. like? I'm just curious what he looks like. That's about it. Right. Cause he was like, he was not good in triple no. no, he was very not good, but he's been good in, in the past. And I just kind of want to see what that looks like. Understood. Yankees. What do you got? Yankees are an interesting one, but I, I think just the most obvious storyline here is, is does Austin Wells take a majority of the catcher reps? And, you know, we know he's going to play and we know he's going to play a good deal. And I really like what we saw from him. We talked about it in the Yankees top prospect episode. I like what we saw once he, he made a slight change to the hand load and it seemed to really help him be on time. And uh, I think improved the bat path a little bit. And he had a really strong finish to his big league debut. Um, Jose Trevino's, you know, the wonderful defensive catcher that we know he is. Wells has always been considered a liability, has improved drastically behind the dish, but he's, you know, he's still nowhere near what Trevino is. So how do the Yankees approach that? Do they prioritize offense? Do they prioritize defense? Do they split it down the middle? What does Austin Wells' role look like? I think how they handle him in spring training and how he performs and how he catches and and works with some of these pitchers, Garrett Cole, I think will be very important to how much, you know, opportunity he gets. It's going to be a Lester David Ross thing. Like Trevino's just going to be Garrett Cole's catcher for the rest of Garrett Cole's career. I feel very strongly about that. He's going to be his personal catcher. And if Cole ever goes elsewhere, Jose Trevino is following him, much like David Ross followed John Lester. Um, I also had Austin Wells because that is the battle. I do think that Wells and Trevino are a lot closer than Pereira to any of those outfielders. Yeah. Pereira is pinched out. His fate is sealed. Um, Wells is not. The other thing that I jotted down was, is this finally the spring we see Clayton Beater turn into a reliever? I think he can make this team as a reliever. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and it's going to kind of be this open competition, I think, for the last one or two reliever like spots. Um, yeah. You know, they claimed Luke Weaver off of waivers. What does he look like? I, I'd imagine with the Scott Efros injury now, and Lou Trevino still being out for a while as well off of Tommy John. Efros back surgery is just a killer after the Tommy John. I really feel feel for him that 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 stinks because he was having he was a nice story and he was doing really well right. over in Chicago. But that's that's a spot now where you know I think Beater's maybe the first man up if a spot opens up in in the bullpen. And you know I'm I'm eager to see Clayton Beater the reliever because you know I we've talked about it like Clayton Beater the starter. Eh. You know I, I think he could be a really special reliever. Yeah, um, a guy that has, I don't know, I guess graded out of prospect status for us, for Tampa, is my my main takeaway. What the hell does Shane Boz look like? <laughs> yeah. I've got no idea what that dude is going to look like. I saw that he was throwing pens. I saw he still had that very slow, very drawn-out delivery, and then I know high 90s is jumping out of his hand. I, I'm so curious what his role is going to be with Tampa in 2024 after missing so much time. So it's funny you say that. Like, I just think the second he looks like he can 
pitch anywhere near what he's capable of pitching at, at. Like he's he's got a spot in that rotation, right? Like Zach Littell and Taj Bradley will will move over if they have to. Though I you know I I do think Taj. Do you, is do you take think Taj first. moves over? Like I'm curious what your take is on Taj because Taj was like he was very much overmatched at points last year. Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see what what it looks like this year. I, if you look at some of the underlying metrics, you look at some of the you know expected stats. They're a little bit more generous to him than his five five nine ERA. Um, and, and I mean, the dude threw 104 innings, struck out more than 11 batters per nine. So like, and it wasn't like he was walking the world three three and, and change there. So I mean, when you got 129 punches and 39 walks in your big league debut, like. I mean, that's kind of close to what we we saw from like Hunter Brown uh, for right. the most part this season. So like there's still a lot to like. But yeah, there were some stretches where it was like, yikes. Um, and I think kind of the ragdolling back and forth was interesting. But I think obviously Littell would probably end up being the guy that, that gets phased out or they go with some sort of six man rotation. I'm interested to just see how they handle the whole rotation, which yeah. is an extension of the Boz question. But my my question I actually brought, which I'm glad we don't have overlap on everything is, you know, I looked at the the, the lineup. And, and I want to know where Mead and Camonero fit in mm-hmm. with the idea of Brandon Lau being healthy and Isak Peretti's never got traded, right? Like, and, and it seems like at this point, if he hasn't been, you never know what the race, but he, if he hasn't been traded by this point, he might not get traded. And Jose Caballero, they went out and just got to presumably play shortstop. Camonero is, is just not going to be an everyday shortstop. He might plug in there from time to time, but you know, the plan is for him to play third. So we know Brandon Lau when healthy can hit you 35 homers. Correct. Mead is a phenomenal piece. We just talked about him. I think he could be an everyday player. Does one of those guys fill in at the DH spot? Okay. Well now he's, then you got Jonathan Aranda, you know, kind of the odd man out again, but DH only helps with one of those two. And that's presumably going to be common arrow. So where does Mead fit in? So that's what I'm wondering is, both Mead and Camonero, how do you get these guys into the lineup? Because you look one through nine, I mean, you could argue that both of those guys are capable of having, you know, a, a I wouldn't say one of the better seasons because I think Yandy Diaz is just a mm-hmm. machine at this point. You know what yeah. you're getting from a Rosarena. Paredes was was an awesome bat, but you could argue that you know they'd be right in the middle of some of the most productive hitters in their lineup. You know, they could be the fourth and fifth most productive hitters in their lineup conservatively and maybe even better than that, especially Camonero. Uh, can you teach Camonero to catch like Renee Pinto <laughs> and Alex Jansen is the catching tandem. Like you, you have to find better than that. And that has long been the Rays issue. They haven't had catchers. They've had everything else. They don't care. Uh, on pre-arb deals, they just don't care about catching. I'm watching it. I'm watching it in Miami now, dude. The, the Marlins hire the the Rays GM, and now they're. I mean, it was perfect for them, right? They go to a, right. a spot where they have neglected catching for five plus years, and now you've got uh, what Christian Bentoncourt. They they went and got the cast off from yeah. the race, right? No, like, I, it's it's hilarious that Bendix, like the two guys he takes with him, are Christian Bentoncourt and Vidal Bruhan. It's so funny. Ben Court, I was like, that's fine. Vidal, I, I lost some hair after that one. But I, yeah, Caminero needs to be on the opening day roster. I think he yeah. is. I think he's the opening day DH, and I think Aranda is turning into a pinch bat at this point. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, is Aranda like we see what he does in AAA, but I, I think the approach kind of gets you know thrown out of whack a little bit. He, he's oh, he's almost too passive when he gets. You know what it is? It, it's the Miguel Vargas conversation. Yeah. With yeah. a run. And I'd almost rather him go play somewhere where he just doesn't have to worry about shit. Like just, just, mm-hmm. just, you, you know, you're in the lineup every day. Don't worry about anything and just go play and not, you know, 
try to carve out a role on a contender. So I think the answer might end up being that they they swing another trade going, you know, towards the end of spring yeah. training. You don't do those late trades usually with with a key key player, but you could do it with an Aranda type um, or, you know, Harold Ramirez, maybe. Right. And I think at that point, Meade could technically be on the bench, but Josh Lowe, you're probably going to want out of the lineup against lefties. Brandon Lau, you're probably going to want out of the lineup against lefties. So, like, you can end up mixing and matching and, and putting Curtis Meade in there where he's getting, you know, 350, 400 plate appearances, uh, even as a quote-unquote bench piece. I, I wish I could transition to Cleveland right now because of the Aranda conversation, but I can't. We have one more team in the AL East. The Toronto Blue Jays. Um Here's the deal. Like I'm going to be tapped into Thicky Tiedemann. He showed up. His lower half is fire hydrant type stuff mm-hmm. right now. I'm going to love that. That's not my storyline to watch though. Kevin Biggio, Addison Barger, or Elvis Martinez. Who's the third baseman? I think it should be a Relvis Martinez. It's Isaiah Connor Falefa. Uh, no, I, I, no, I don't know. <laughs> Who is it? I don't, this team broke my brain this, this off season. Um, when they brought back Kiermaier to slide Varsho back to left when Varsho is a better center fielder than he is left fielder and is basically yeah. the same thing as Kiermaier, but now probably a better version being that he's younger, even when he's not playing at the best of his he's more pop. Yeah. They go get Justin Turner, who now clogs the DH spot. Yes. Um, can maybe play third on occasion if you want him to. They already have Santiago Espinal, David Schneider. They go get Daniel Vogelbach, who will also clog the, the DH spot. You have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who can only play first at a mediocre level. Kind of. Yeah. And like not even, and that's generous. <laughs> and then you have all these other infielders and you did that when you have a Martinez. And, and that was my question. It's like, okay, you clearly don't have confidence in a right? Like why else would you add all of these players, <laughs> all of these guys who do similar things? Um, I know they're proven, but you had other options too within your team. You figure like one or two of those guys are going to step up. So yeah, my question is just kind of that whole thing. Just how does it all like I'm imagining it almost like a filter, right? Like who ends up sliding through the filter and who gets filtered out? Um, and I think spring training is going to give us a little of that. Of course, Tiedemann for me is the question is, you know, do they plan on wasting bullets in in the minors? I think with how aggressive they were with him in the Arizona Fall League, right? He, he threw 70 plus pitches, I think, in consecutive outings for the first time in years and, and did it like four out of five outings. I think that was almost a primer to to get him ready for this, this season. And I think there's a chance that he could end up making the team out of camp, depending on how he looks and how, you know, how he feels. So that's the number one thing, but I agree. I think that the biggest question is where do these young guys fit in if at all? And, you know, do they end up making some room for a barger? Uh, I would rather see Addison Barger than Kevin Biggio at this point. Uh, I think Barger is more defensively versatile. I think Barger has more power and I know what I'm getting with Kevin Biggio for better and for worse. I think Barger could potentially give you more. And, and I want more upside in that role. I, like, okay, Kevin gives me one one war. Great. I, I want to see what Barger can give me. And I think the answer in the short term is Barger because of the versatility. Um, sure. Just crushing the video yesterday, like the swing. It, he he takes probably some of the hardest hacks in, in, in professional baseball. Um, and it's going to come with some whiff and some frustration and things like that. But, dude, he can go play right field already. It's a plus-plus mm-hmm. arm out there. He can play third. He can plug in at short. He can play second. Like I, I think he's a elevated version of what Kevin Biggio has become for them. 
Yeah. One more thing on on the Tiedemann situation. I don't think he controls his own destiny. I think what Alec Manoa does will directly impact Ricky Tiedemann because you've got Gosman and Barrios up top. You know that's going to happen. Bassett, you're paying a lot of money. Kikuchi, you're paying a lot of money. But Manoa is a guy that you have not, you know, really handed money over to yet. I think yeah. he's still pre-arb. He might be arb one. I think he's still pre-arb. Yeah. You've got Manoa. If he looks like a liability, then you go to Tiedemann. If he doesn't look like a liability, you probably don't start Tiedemann's clock. I, I don't know. It's it's a tough one, and I don't envy that situation. No. Um, jump into the AL Central here, and this is why I wanted to transition. Aranda needs a place where he can hit every day. Kyle Manzardo found a place that he can hit every day, and he was hurt for the entirety of last year, pretty much. At the beginning of the year, he was putting up EVs that we've never seen from Kyle Manzardo before. And then he was dealing with kind of a nagging injury, and, and it was a, a limp to the finish line, really, in Columbus. Manzardo has the keys to the first base position. Naylor's going to DH. Manzardo is pretty much sharpied in at this point. It's the opening day first baseman. How does he look as an everyday big leaguer? I'm very curious. Yeah, I mean, just... I think there's a world where he could lose the job out of camp, right? Like if he really stunk it up in spring training, Manzardo could. The other is, what's the shortstop situation? Do we finally mm-hmm. just hand the keys over to Brian Rocchio or does Gabriel Arias, you know, continue to to get some reps over at shortstop? Um, the other one that I'm really fascinated in. I know what you're saying. Rule five draft pick Davis and De Los Santos. The hell is that going to look like, man? Um, I, 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 I am... I'm going to try to watch every at bat. Like even when I miss at bats, I'm going to go back and watch them because I just want to know what this looks like. Like this is one of the most out of pocket rule five draft picks we've had in a while. Um, And and I'm all for it. Like it's fun. Like that's what I want more teams taking a chance. Who gives a crap swing for the fences? Literally with, with some of these rule five draft picks. It's fun. If it works, you get a guy that could hit you 30 bombs. If it doesn't, all right, you lost hundred grand. They'll probably buy him back for 50. You lost 50 G's. I'm glad to see the, uh, the guardians aren't afraid of that, but I think that those are are two of the the key conversations here. And then the last one for me is, you know, not that he's going to have any chance to play in the big leagues anytime soon, but, you know, Daniel Espino, do we get any sightings? Do we get to see this guy throw it all? Um, I mean, his goals were were, were humbling to to see, you know, like he he had a conversation. um, I I wish I could properly attribute. Mandy Bell of MLB.com. He was a great artist. Always count on you for that. And, And via Mandy Bell, it was just my goal is to pitch in a game. Yeah, um, I get it. You know, there's no reason to to set your sights any higher than that when you have gone through everything that Daniel Espino has gone through, and we've barely seen him even throw. I mean, it was a big deal that he was playing catch again. Um, but I just want to see this guy on the mound. I, I, it doesn't need to look like Daniel Espino of of old, but I just want to see this guy on the mound, letting it loose, and and just looking like he trusts his arm uh, because we know how. He, I mean, when healthy. He's arguably one of the most talented pitching. He's not arguing. He is one of the most talented pitching prospects in the game when healthy. Yeah, I like that shout because I, I read that article and I was like, my heart was just breaking for that guy because he was, I was it 36 punch outs, four walks in 18 yep. innings in double A? And then I, was, just, I was ready to anoint that guy as the top pitching prospect in baseball yeah. because the stuff was so stupid. I'm going to pull it up on another episode, like just the pitch data and explain like, it, it, he was he was in kind of his own area. He was in he he was right there with Andy Painter, arguably even nastier. If you look at some of the the pitch shapes, like that's that stuff is what keeps me up at night because it's so unfair to some of these dudes that just have all the talent in the world and then it's totally out of their control sometimes. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, jumping to the White Sox here, it, it's not a prospect anymore. Oscar Colas was really disappointing yeah. last year. Apparently, the White Sox wanted him to play winter ball. He said no. He worked out in Miami instead. They trade for Dominic Fletcher. They trade for Zach Deloach. Yeah. That in turn creates a bunch of traffic in front of Oscar Colas. So my big question is, are we done with the Oscar Colas experience? And I think the answer might be a resounding yes, we are. I think the answer could be a resounding yes, we are. But I think I think it is clear that they are not that confident in Colas at the very least, right? Like, I mean, you don't, as you mentioned, you don't go out and get two left-handed hitting outfielders uh, if if you don't think that you know there's some some concerns with with Oscar Colas and I mean we saw I mean the approach is 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 bad um the defense is bad he's got a good feel to hit for how hard he hits the baseball and we know he hits the baseball really hard but you know there's some things that need to be sorted out there and if he's you know I, I'd imagine that it was probably a pain point that he wouldn't go and get more reps and yeah. um I think that's probably Chris Getz said all right well we're, we're gonna go look at some other options and if you don't perform like we're gonna lean on those other options I think the fact that they traded Christian Mena who I do understand has some concerns but is extremely young and yeah. has ridiculously good secondary stuff you trade that guy when you don't have a ton of exciting pitching prospects outside of Noah Schultz and, you know, one or two others. And you do that for a limited ceiling outfielder who's a Mm -hmm. left-handed hitter. I think that's telling in itself that, as you said, like, I don't know if they're there yet, but they're getting there uh, in terms of, Hey, this, this might not be happening with Oscar Colas, which stinks because of course I opened a box of cards a couple months ago (laughs) and I pulled an Oscar Colas autograph out of, out of 25. And like, it's like, do I cut my losses now or do right. I hope that this guy like has a fever dream for a couple months and I sell it? I know sure as hell I don't want to keep it. I would sell, I think. Just take whatever I can get. <laughs> ah, man. No, you know what? I would hold because he's going to be in Charlotte. Charlotte's a band box. He might hit 15 homers before the All-Star break. And at that point, his price will be up. And it's like, oh, he's blocked by Dominic Fletcher. It's like, no, he's actually not that good. And he's then not, yeah. sell they, the they actually like defense and and uh, having an approach and other components of the game, which, by the way, Dominic Fletcher, I think, is going to fit right in and actually yeah. be a good contributor. And he is ahead of Colossus immediately. I don't even view him as a storyline. I'm like, yeah, you're no. just the right fielder. No, I, I agree. But. Quickly, my storyline was was can Zach Deloach make the team? And I mm-hmm. think that's I like yeah I agree like it's not even a, a 
it's not even a Fletcher question. I, I think it's he's in his own area, and and that's why they gave up a, a really good pitching prospect to get him. I think Deloche is in a is a very comparable prospect to Colos. They're not the same type of player, but there's they've like. This same level of concerns and same level of abilities and potential and things like that. Obviously, I think Colas has more upside, but I also think Deloach is a little bit more polished of a hitter, so you can offset those. I, I'm interested to see how those two, you know, perform and, and if one can separate themselves from the other. And then can Jake Eater look more like Marlon's Jake Eater? You know, I, I am really rooting for him to succeed. He's a good dude. Um, and and he's, you know, worked hard to come back from the Tommy John. He's had some phenomenal stretches through his professional career, but after the trade really struggled. Um, if Eater throws well, he's probably going to start in triple A. Um, if he can look solid this spring, look, there's not that many guys in his way. There's uh, There's bodies, but... Jake Eater's got more upside than a lot of the bodies uh, that are currently ahead of him on the depth chart. A hundred percent. Jumping to Detroit, there are a whole bunch of different ways that you can go with this. And I know I'll, what you're going to say, by the way, though. You know what I'm going to say. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you if 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 I guess. Yeah. I'm going to bring it back to 2021, kind of the opening thing. Like it, the opening of your understanding of me. One of the first guys I was in love with in like, just baseball prospect lore was Dylan Dangler. Yeah. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Jake Rogers and Carson Kelly are the catching tandem for the Detroit Tigers. They want to win the division. Jake Rogers and Carson Kelly as a catching tandem does not win the division. Do not sleep on Jake Rogers. Sorry. His 0.5 F4 last year in 110 games. Is that all it was? I think so. 2.2 casual. Oh, all right. Sorry. Baseball reference 0.7, I think. Yeah, he had 21 pumps last year. I know he had 21. No, but I, I agree. With you. Like, jokes aside, I, I think it was kind of a fever dream for, for Jake Rogers. I think he's a fine catcher. I think Carson Kelly is, I think that ship is not good. Awesome. He's He's been dead in the water for a couple so, of years. I think Rogers is a decent catcher. He's a good defender. I don't think he's going to hit the way he, he struck out 32% of the time last year. He ran into some homers. I don't think he's going to run into as many homers. And it was still a 97 WRC plus. I'm with you. Like they need a more well-rounded catcher to spell Rogers. And I don't think Carson Kelly's that guy. And I think Dingler could be that, but this is the last year that I think that because if he spends the entire year in Toledo and he's so, so, and he doesn't force AJ Hinch's hand or Scott Harris's hand, then I think we're looking at Dylan Dingler as like, okay, maybe you're not the catcher of the future for the Tigers. So I think this is the last year where I identify Dylan Dingler as the future catcher of the Detroit Tigers. And this spring is the start of making that last impression on me. Obviously you can go to Justin Henry Malloy defensively. Obviously you can go to Colt Keith. He just got the extension. What does he look like every day? Where are you going? I think once the, the Colt Keith extension went through that storyline kind of went out the window because mm-hmm. you're not paying him $2 million to go to Toledo. Um, right. uh, yeah, of course I want to know what he looks like, but I want to know what every rookie that's going to play every day is going to look like. That's not yeah. as much of a storyline to me. I'm looking at a Tigers team that wants to compete and I'm looking at areas where, okay, if, if it's not happening early in the year, where do you upgrade? You know, where, where could you plug somebody else in? I look at the hot corner and look, I know McKintree had some decent stretches last year, but yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, man, you know, you're, you've been using a 40 man spot on, on Eddie's Leonard and Leonard swung it pretty well. Yeah, really play. well after the, uh, he was, I guess he was DFA'd, right? He yeah. was DFA'd by the Dodgers and then he was, he was traded for cash considerations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and they, I think, yeah, they basically purchase him. And 
I'm I'm interested to see if you know if he's performing well in spring training. Like we we know he can swing it. He can play a fine third base. He's not a shortstop anymore. But could that be a guy that ends up snagging a role? Um, I know they have Veerling and Veerling can play third too. But again, you, you know what you're getting offensively with Veerling and McKinstry uh, and and Andy Abanez, right? Like I, yeah. I think there's a world where Leonard could hit a little bit better than those guys could maybe be capable of hitting 20 home runs. I think that's a high end outcome. Like might be the highest end outcome, but I think there's a world where Leonard could, could carve out a role on this team as well. Yeah. I like it. All right. Jumping to Kansas city here. Um, I went the way of actually like maybe a back end reliever. I, I think a lot of the storylines about Kansas city, come at the big league level with like free agent signings. So I went all the way down to Matt Sauer at the rule five draft pick from the Yankees. I'm like, can this guy turn into a shutdown reliever? I don't know. Do you have better one? Like I, I was just scraping the bottom of the barrel. Casey was tough. I, and and Sauer is probably one of the bigger questions and and a good one because he's got the fastball slider. Um, and, and, and those are the two pitches that are just far ahead, the, the, the two best for him. And he, I think it ticks up, you know, out of the bullpen more consistently. Um, so I think he could end up being another relief piece for them. And if Sauer is a good reliever, all of a sudden this bullpen, we talked about on the just baseball show, like bullpen might not be bad. Like there's a lot of upside in this bullpen, especially after going to get Schreiber and some of the other pieces that they've signed this off season. So, you know, that's definitely one aspect of it. The, the area that I put, and, and that I'm fascinated by is, is where does Nick Lofton fit in? Can Nick Lofton carve out a role? Mm-hmm. Because I thought he looked really good in his big league debut. Um, and I don't know where he plays defensively. And I almost think that that works in his favor to a degree though, where he, he it's yeah. not that he's incapable of playing anywhere. You know, came up as a shortstop, obviously not going to play there and, and has been moved off of there since Played a lot of first base, but not because of his inability to play anywhere else. It was because that was the spot that was open. But right now you got Kyle Isbell in the outfield. You got Michael Massey, who I know you like, but did struggle last year. Yeah, uh, I'm did. still I'm still optimistic on him, but he did struggle. Um, you know, and you got Nelson Velasquez in the lineup as well. So those, and even I, I think Michael Garcia is very talented, but you have three or four spots that I wouldn't say are totally locked up. And MJ Melendez struggled last year, man. Like that's another spot. Like one of those guys falters, Nick Lofton's right there. I look at the bench. Yeah, you've got Adam Frazier, who's kind of like a left-handed, you know, Lofton to so, a degree. That, that was my thing with Massey. My thing with Massey was like, if Massey struggles, it's Adam Frazier. Adam like, that's Frazier. the direct plug. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's probably the outfield somewhere. I just want to say, like, if Lofton hits, because he swung it well in his big league debut, short stint, but he swung it well. Every time I watch him, look, he doesn't jump out, but I always come away saying that guy looks like he could be, you know, a big leaguer. I don't know in what kind of role, but he looks like a big leaguer. Um, now, I just wonder if he can grab a bench spot from Dyron Blanco or or potentially, you know, carve out a little bit of a big league role. But yeah, there's, there's no major storylines in Kansas City because a lot of it's, you know, somewhat clear. Yeah, I do feel really bad for Nick Prado. He's just, there's no space for him. And frankly, he hasn't performed enough to warn any at bats at the major league level. Kind of in the Stowers realm, right? Yeah, but like Stowers is good whenever he goes to AAA. Like Prado last year, 31 games at a 630 OPS. He just wasn't good enough. So I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird situation. Um, Jumping to Minnesota here. (laughs) Is Brooks Lee going to tell him he's ready or what? (laughs) 
that, that was that's, literally the question I had. Yeah, that's my big takeaway. Um, I have no idea if Brooks Lee is is ready or not. I hope they don't finagle yeah. that infield to try and um, I love the term you use shoehorn, like to try and shoehorn Brooks Lee into it. He screams all star break. Mm-hmm. He should be all star break. I don't think he's ready. The right handed swing is is just not there yet. The approach is not there yet. Chase rates high. Right handed production wasn't great. Like just work on those things for 150, 200 at bats. Um, defense could even come along a little bit. You're probably going to need him to get more reps at other positions too because he isn't playing an everyday shortstop. Like I, I don't, I don't really know what the plan would be when he comes up. So they'd probably want to get him some reps in other spots. So. I don't think he should be up, but again, it's one of those guys that if he does play out of his freaking mind, it would it would put some pressure on them and force their hand a little bit. The other was the guy we just talked to. How do they handle Matt Canarino? And yeah. if you're just stumbling upon this episode, definitely go check out the interview with Canarino. Great one listen. Of, one of my yeah. favorites in a while. Like great dude, um, engineer. Like just nerding out about pitch shapes with him was a blast, but also just very eloquently talking about his process and everything that he's overcome. But to be straight with you, like he's got three plus pitches <laughs> and he's funky. And look, this is a guy that you probably don't want to waste bullets in the, in the minor leagues and a guy that's ready to contribute in any way. Um, so how does Canarino look in a game setting? And if he dominates, do they say, Hey, you know what? Forget stretching you out as a starter, which Matt mentioned they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. We got a spot for you in the bullpen, and we think you can, you know, you could be ready to help us right now. Another one is Junior Severino that I want to highlight. This guy <laughs> hit bomb after bomb after bomb, and there are clearly holes there. But Severino is not a top ten prospect in this system. For me, he screams bench power bat, mm-hmm. and I I wonder how they feel about Jose Miranda coming into this year. Yeah, because that's if they a big don't want to. Yeah, like if they don't think that Miranda can contribute at all, maybe move him at his lowest value because you've got a guy that hit with 35, 37 homers in the minor leagues last year in Junior Severino, just kind of waiting for that late game pinch hit appearance. And you give him 10 pitch hit appearances and he goes yard once. Feel great about that guy. There you go. So. Um, all right, jumping along to the AL West at about 39 minutes into this. We're making great time, by great the way. Time. Um, AL West, Houston, really tough to find one. But I went to your guy, Joey Loperfito. Nice. They are so good. There are no questions about the rotation, about the lineup. The The small questions that I may have are on the bench. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh, who brings versatility that could make the team out of camp? It's a guy that is hit at, at every level in Loperfito. Yeah. And a guy that, you know, can play pretty much every position. He doesn't play a great center field, but he can play center field. He can play left. He can play right. He can play first. He can play second. Like pretty much everything but the left side of the infield. And they don't need anybody on the left side of the infield. So it's somewhat perfect. Um, And Lope can steal bags. Like I'm obviously biased, but I look at the bench and I'm like, Gray Kessinger. Um, Yeah. Like I saw Gray Kessinger. I was like, how do we get Gray Kessinger out of here? (laughs) Like no offense to Gray, like bias over here. But I, you know, I think Joey, you know, can, can, can snag that role. That's definitely something I want to see because, you know, if if they actually give him a long looking camp, Joey just seems to be the kind of guy that rises to those types of occasions. And, and, you know, I think we'll make a strong impression with the power, with the ability to get on base. And look, he's a great 
bench piece because he's a left-handed bat. They don't have a ton of them, by the way. Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez are the only left-handed bats and then single pretty good ones. Yeah, so that's it. So, you know, you have a guy that can plug in to left, to center, to second, to first, and and be a left-handed bat whenever, if someone goes down or, you know, whatever it may be. I think that's important. But mine mine was actually a, a much less exciting, but, you know, I, I again, an important role on this team is can Trey Cabbage overtake John Singleton for his role, which is that left-handed power bat off the bench? And I think the answer is yes, with a good spring. I love the Singleton story, and I don't want to see him lose his job. Um, and I hope that if he if he does, he he gets an opportunity elsewhere because I'm just I, I love the the Singleton story. I will root for him. And, and I love that it's happening in Houston too. Yes. Like oh, it happened in Milwaukee initially, but being back in Houston and the fact that he may make this team out of camp, I'm all about. Which which is awesome, and like he was on the team last year, and he, you know he, he he didn't hit the way that we were hoping, but you know he still did some good things, had some good moments. But you know I, I look at Trey Cabin, I'm like he does a, a lot of things that John Singleton does in terms of being able to hit the ball really hard, being able to walk, um, and he's more athletic. And I, I think that might end up if he swings it well, he may end up taking that that Singleton role. But that's kind of the less sexy uh, storyline I'm kind of looking at because. You know I'm all in on Trey Cabbage. Yeah. I, I, I will watch that guy play in in South Korea if he goes over there at some point. With with the uh, NC Dinos, I'm totally in on that. All right, uh, moving on to the Angels. <sighs> Kyron Paris is not ready. That is a non. I got roasted. For, you remember when I got roasted for that? You got on killed Twitter? for that for some reason. It's I just like, said like, oh, why are they doing this? He's not ready, and. I got and they're just like, oh, like, don't you like fun? It's like, no, I don't. I don't like it when a guy OPS is 400. I don't like stunting development. Um, yeah. Um. So I don't want to make Kyron Paris making the team a story because he should go to Salt Lake. Yes. Ben Joyce. Bang. They're spending a lot of money on the bullpen. They have a guy that sits 102. Now, granted, he sprays 102, but he sits 102 in the pen. I want to watch every pitch Ben Joyce throws this yeah. spring. I, w- I want to see him in Anaheim. That's all I have is Ben Joyce health. But then I mm-hmm. also have just a list of names that are all hilarious that you probably forgot about. And the angels have all of them. So Did which, you... which of, which of these guys survive roster cuts? Here you oh. go. Yeah. These names are so fun. Evan White. Yeah. Miguel Sano. Yeah. Francisco Mejia. Mm-hmm. Hunter Dozier. Idris yeah. Adrianza. Yep. Drew Pomerantz, yep. Hunter Strickland, Tehran Guerrero, and Zach Plesak. Plesak will survive. Um, Did you that, see my tweet, by the way? No. I tweeted out, I'm fascinated in the 2024 Salt Lake Bees, and I had pretty much all of those names. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. I knew I mean, I mean, knew this would be right up your alley. That's why I, I had it ready to well, go. And you but, pair them with Kyron Paris and Jordan Adams and possibly Joe Adele. I'm like, what's going on here? Dude, this this – grouping of players that I a couple of which I was positive were out of the league. Um I yeah I honestly would have assumed that like four of these guys were not even going to be on a team this year. So yeah. I'm I'm very excited to watch that. I just I love the random names that I thought were out of the league. Tehran Guerrero was like my my favorite oh. hundred where the hell is it going guy when he came up with the Marlins for a little bit. So he I saw him last year and he was like dotting 94. I'm like, this is not Tyron Guerrero. That's that's not who I was sold on. Um, all right. Moving moving on to Oakland here. Got a couple more for me. Clear as day. Daryl or yep. 
is the shortstop on opening day. What do you look like? Mm-hmm. I've never bait him, but I guess the non-prospect aspect, like kind of prospect, non-prospect is, uh, you know, what is Tower Soderstrom? Soderstrom, like, that was my and, second name. Yep. And does he start playing more first base? Right? Like, do, do we see this guy catch less now um, and focus more on hitting? I'm still an, a, a, a big believer in, in Tower Soderstrom's bat. Don't forget, he, he's going to be 22 the entire season. Like yeah. this guy's young, a high school guy that's going to be 22 for the duration of the season. Um, it was ugly. It was not good. He's, he's very aggressive, but he's a good field to hit and good power. And a, I think a great swing. Um, what does it look like in terms of how they use him? What's his role going to be? Uh, that's something I'm definitely interested in and in monitoring. I'm just, you know, I, I still am just so confident in, in the potential of that bat. I feel like he's become very forgotten and yeah. I hope that he can change that a little bit with, with what he is capable of offensively. But then the other side of it is, uh, I mean, there, there's a, a handful of just like eh, arms that I'm fascinated yeah. by. Like, can one of them make a leap this year of including their rule five draft pick Mitch Spence? Like that's he's a fine arm. Like I'm, uh, Medina is no longer a prospect, but like can Luis Medina, you know, mm-hmm. he was okay last year. Like he wasn't, it wasn't a disaster. Waldachuk out for season, unfortunately with flexor tendon surgery, but um, there, How about Mason Miller, guys. the closer Mason Miller, the closer is interesting. Oh yeah. Okay. That's a big one. Does Mason Miller just throw 800 miles an hour in one inning spurts? The Sid Finch thing. Yeah, he could He good. Oh, all right. Two more teams. Um, Seattle, you could go the Emerson Hancock route. You could yeah. go the Bryce Miller, Brian Wu route. I decided to stay away from that. I went the Samad Taylor route. You know, I'm a big fan of what he can bring. This guy is not going to be asked to do much, but he is absolutely worth having on the 26 man roster. Mm-hmm. He is absolutely worth the second base, all three outfield spots that he can play and game changing speed. This guy can be that seventh inning pinch runner and then play lights out defense anywhere you put him for the last three innings of the game. And and I think that guy is is trying to win a spot, and I think he will win a spot this spring. Who does he displace? Because um, I agree. I think he's got a fun skill set, and I think he's a unique player. Does he displace uh, Luis Arias? Dylan Moore, I will not accept as an answer. That's one of my favorite players. Um, so I ID'd Luis Arias. I was like, yeah, I... What is Luis ever going to get back to Milwaukee, Luis Arias? No, no, I don't think so. Um, if it was going to happen, it would have happened with that change of scenery in Boston. And it just didn't. It was like really bad. So, yeah, I I ID'd Luis Arias and I was like, you know what? There's a level of dynamicism that Ooh. Samad brings that Luis Arias does not have. I like it. And then, I mean, I was looking at Samad. I also, what... uh where does Emerson Hancock fit in? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I look at the rotation and I think he's kind of going to be that, that, that alternate pitcher, right? Because you, you're going to have some sort of innings limit on, on Wu and Miller, I think, especially Wu. Uh, and, and, you know, guys have flare ups all the time. Can he plug and play? Do you consider Emerson Hancock out of the bullpen considering he's had some arm issues of, of, of his own? Uh, because right now you have a couple of bullpen spots kind of, taken right now by by failed starters in a, in a Jackson Kowar, who I'm also really fascinated to see. Like This is kind of the last gasp for Jackson Kowar. What does it look like with, with him out of the bullpen? Austin Voth. Like, it, those, yeah. That's a spot where like they might not want Hancock in AAA anymore, and 
they might say, hey, you know, we think you can be a better long relief or be a plug in, you know, option than Kowar and Voth. So what is a what is a role for Emerson Hancock potentially look like? And, you know, can he can he earn one? I like it. Um, all right. Last team, the Texas Rangers, the reigning World Series champs. Two words. You know what they are. Wyatt Langford. Langford. Yes. That's it. I just wrote down Wyatt Langford, period. Yeah. The other actually one one last thing on the uh on the Oakland A's. Can you believe yeah. that they still have JJ Schwartz? No way. The Florida kid? Yeah, that was supposed to be like the greatest thing ever. Oh, is he gonna be, compete he was like Wyatt Langford? Or- he was Wyatt Langford before Wyatt Langford, and then like the freshman year, and then it just fell off after that. Um, Him I, and like, Buddy Reed, JJ Schwartz Buddy and Buddy Reed. <laughs> yeah, but but back to Langford. Yeah, I mean, it's you know what, what does this guy have to do to make the team? Realistically, um, you know, they've said that he has a chance to do it. Uh, he's going to have to obviously do exactly what he did last year uh, yeah. in 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 Triple A and Double A and everything. Uh, and who does he displace? What does it look like? But I'm just excited to see Wyatt Langford uh, try to prove himself as a guy that's ready to, to play from opening day. Yes, 100%. That's it? That's it. We just got through the American League in 50 minutes. I mean, can we just – I hope the listeners out there are, are realize how hard this is for us to, to do that, to be under an hour in an episode. We have not so, done that in a minute. So uh, good job. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll be doing the American League, or excuse me, the National League next. Um, mm-hmm. And so keep an eye out for that. Look out for the National League tomorrow or the day after that. We will have it out. Uh, and then we are continuing to truck away at the Top 100 update. We're going to have a conversation about um, kind of the new projection and and scale um, of, of how we're going to kind of a, a approach the, the prospect side of things and future value and things like that. So We'll have a fun conversation around that uh, in the future and a lot of fun stuff to look forward to on the call. But if you can leave a rating, help us grow the show, a review would be awesome. Really appreciate it. Subscribe to the YouTube and check out all of the prospect lists and everything at JustBaseball.com. Top 100 will be out by the end of the month. Very excited about that. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking National League prospects with you on the next episode. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.